0: Back with you wrapped up the first part with Wolfgang. We've talked a lot of different things. We've laid out some scenarios for Iowa football this year. Wolfgang says, What, you're gonna be fired up. Fired up if you see Iowa football this year with five losses at the end no, of the year.
1: You know I love Kirk and, and I every once in a while I go and rewatch stuff and stuff that I don't remember and I watched I completely forgot about was it the college football award ceremony trend mm-hmm. where they they basically gave props to the wave and Kirk's up there and they're interviewing him. Man, dude, I just love the guy. And I can kind of be taken for that because I think Kirk is such a good dude. I think he's a good coach. Guess what? Is he the greatest coach ever? No, but he's a damn good coach. I think we're lucky to have him. And I see him crying and bawling about his grandson that passed away. What was it? Two weeks. And I don't know. Would that have been Stevens or no, not, um, it wouldn't have been Brian's uh, yeah. kid, right? Brian. It would have been Brian's. My gosh. He couldn't handle it, and, and uh, the ESPN guy basically just asked him, and he's, he's like, this, these next two questions are going to be very difficult, and Kirk, about five seconds, it was like he couldn't even handle it. You know, he's already tearing up. I'm just like, that's my guy. Sorry. I'm going to root for that guy, and you know what? If he comes a game short of what I expected every single time, it's fine. Hey, well, um, but that's just, you know, that's just me. I love the guy. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a better man, and I think he's perfect for this, and this This is important this year to get it going, to get the offense going. We can't finish one, was it 117 points or something like that? That can't happen. So Brian's got to get it going um, because I think he'd be a perfect fit. He's lived here how many years in Iowa? He gets the culture. He understands what everybody needs to do um, in order to make this program successful. Not everybody from the outside would. We had Hayden Fry who was from the outside and got it. That guy is a, you know, God, small G to me. Um, that's when we were growing up, Trent. That guy was bigger than life. Yep. But but Kirk has got it going, too, man. He understands, too. He's not totally exactly like Aiden Fry. He's not. He really isn't. But he's figured out a way to finish in the top 10 five times out of his 19 years. Pretty good. Um, so what's that? Five out of 20 would be 25%. So close to 30% of the time he's finished in the top 10, Trent. That, that sucks.
0: It's very good. It's very good at a place like Iowa. We know the difficult nature of it nationally. I don't know if uh, people understand the limitations of a program like Iowa. Iowa's had a very good in the 19 years previous of Kirk Ferentz. Will 2018 be another one of those great seasons? Wolfgang, we jump into one other note I wanted to bring up. Jerry Nardo yesterday on the bus tour, and he said, quote, I think we might see an evolution of sorts on offense. You're talking about Brian Ferentz there. You're a believer in Brian Ball. You're all in. But we saw steps and going back to what we saw really a lot under Ken O'Keefe. We got the deep crossing routes, seam routes with the tight ends, enough with the short passing game coupled with his own blocking scheme. It never worked under Greg Davis. Even when it was going right, it just was a marriage that never completely worked. What else is there, though? What, What else would you like to see this year from the Iowa offense, outside of you know what everybody of course would anticipate, just them unevening out those big peaks and valleys from a year ago. You put fifty five well, on the board against Ohio State, <laughs> and then you struggle to get fifty five yards of offense against Wisconsin.
1: Oh my God! I I rewatched that recently. It was just really did that really happen? It's like you almost it was so good and so orgasmic. It like like you have certain things in your life, where you have yeah. You know, die or something and you totally forget anything that happened around that period of time. I completely forgot what happened around that because it was that cool. It was that awesome. I've grown up with Iowa football for a long time. We suck against Ohio State, Trent. I don't even consider it even a chance to win. I just don't. Michigan? Eh. No problem, man. You want to? I'll play Michigan anytime, anywhere. Bring it. Have no problem with Michigan. A lot of times, even when we lose to Michigan, we should have beaten them. It just, I don't You know, I don't, but I respect Ohio State and what they do. They're able to just destroy us every year. The one year I wanted to play Ohio State, Trent, the one year that I begged to play Ohio State that we didn't get to play them. Guess what year I'm talking?
0: 2002. I uh, continue to maintain Wolfgang. Iowa, if there's a Big Ten championship game implemented in 2002, and you play that thing in Indianapolis the first Saturday in December, Iowa would have not just beat Ohio State, would have throttled the Buckeyes.
1: Okay, let's try to be fair here. The other side would be what? Do you remember some of those games, Ohio? I can remember being in a hotel room when they were playing Illinois. Did that go to overtime? Did they even have overtime back then? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, they had overtime back in 2002, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to remember this. Sorry, I'm going off the cuff. But I remember watching the Illinois game in, in, a, in a hotel room. They, they barely beat Illinois. Every single game it was like, it was like really, really hard, and I respect that. They had to battle. They had to grind to win every single game. But, obviously, if Iowa would have played um, Ohio State that year, it would have been close. Everybody can agree on that. Because almost every single one of their games where they played anybody with a pulse was close. Hopefully I'll look that up and still believe what I'm saying now after I'm sitting here saying this on the radio um, because I can't take that back. But I believe, truly, I don't believe I'm being Hawkeye homerish, Iowa homerish, saying I would have taken Iowa... And it would have been at the end of the year, right? Yeah. Beginning of the year, I don't know. We weren't playing our best. Iowa was not playing their best ball at the beginning of the year. That was Miami of Ohio, right? That was... Who else was at the beginning of that year?
0: Okay. Well, the lost uh, lost Iowa State.
1: Yeah, the lost Iowa State, for gosh sakes. Exactly. So, yeah, it depends on where the game would have been played. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be 100%. It depends on where the game would have been played. But... I would have picked Iowa I don't think you're crazy by saying that I don't think you're some Iowa sports guy that's a you and I Iowa State and Iowa fan that's sticking out for the Hawkeyes I don't believe that I think you really mean that
0: there's no doubt but you uh you wrapped around the question here evolution of the Iowa offense what's next what more what more are we going to see from Brian and company this year the implementation of the tight end more they got a slew of them they got a lot of places to go Running game, we talked about that a little bit earlier. When you hear Jerry DiNardo say that, uh, evolution of Iowa's offense, what does that mean to you?
1: It means we're grading on a curve here. So I would Mm -hmm. tell you to calm down, okay? (laughs) All right, you know what I'm saying? Don't stand up right now if there's anybody in there. Okay, slow down. Please, slow down. There's not going to be any crazy, wild stuff. You know that. I know that. Maybe they don't know that. It just needs to change a little bit here and there. We've seen little changes here and there. We have unbelievable tight ends that you've, you and I have brought up. Everybody knows about fans. We talked about Hawkinson before anybody did. Mm-hmm. We watched his film. We like to go out there on, you know, this is guy that's going to be great. This is guy. We both loved Hawkinson. I think you saw him in person maybe. I'm not sure, did you?
0: Uh, no, I saw, saw a lot of uh, highlights, though, that were being sent when I was doing uh, a football, high school football show that season.
1: So we don't, Trent, we do not need to see like a crazy difference in the offense. And I'm trying to, again, we're on radio here, and, and I'm going to have trouble struggling to describe what, I'm, what I mean here. And I was watching, I can't remember what I was watching, and they were talking about how the offensive, like the coach has to get the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator together and come up with a game plan. Where do you think I'm going with that? Do you understand what I'm even going at there?
0: Game plan, scheme wise, like as an offense, do you
1: want to score too quick? Like if you if your defense is not that good and you're not deep, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah. There, right. I mean, there are deeper levels to this stuff that I'm just learning about and thinking about, and so it's, it's it's interesting. It's like, why do we? Why does Iowa compete with certain teams they shouldn't compete with? Have you asked? Have you ever asked yourself that question?
0: Yeah, the Michigan team. The, the Michigan team two years ago came in. Guns a-blazing. They were playing at an incredibly high level. How did Iowa stay in that game? Last year, Ohio State, we know that one. I go back, and I still, one of the bigger upsets, and I think even bigger than those two victories, was what they did to the 2008 Penn State team. Going back to that game, Iowa had no business even being in the (laughs) game in the first half. Penn State was so... Wait,
1: 2008? Now slow down here. You're exaggerating, no?
0: No, no, not at all. The one at Kinnick Stadium, that Penn State team was outstanding. They dominated Iowa, but... Horrible however,
1: weather. Horrible weather, right?
0: Cold. Really cold yeah, yeah. that day. Really, okay. really cold. Not the 9 game with the block punt from Adrian and Claiborne. Iowa gave up the touchdown in the first play, came back and won it 21-10. No, the year previous, 2008, was before Iowa had kind of got their feet underneath them, too. Penn State dominated the first half, but Iowa... On the scoreboard was right there, made the plays in the second half, Ricky Stanzi making the play down the field to DJK, the kick the field goal, Daniel Murray does the soccer slide, and we all get drunk. <laughs> it was a thing of beauty. Iowa had no business of being in that football game, though, but that's, that's Iowa football. But also, here's the other part of it. That's how you get upset by a Northwestern. That's how you lose to an Iowa State team that's not very good. That's how you lose to Purdue squads that aren't very good, because... Though you can stay and compete with those top-level teams at times, also on the back end, it can hurt you with some teams that don't have as much talent as you.
1: Yeah, but we're, we're being a little hard here. Um, I was talking, again, with my brother-in-law and talking about, like, well, you know, and
0: basically we all
1: say this. You know, I will probably beat somebody they shouldn't and lose to somebody they shouldn't. Well, we lost to Purdue. Well, they were a bowl team. I mean, it, it's not like we lost to a crap team, Trent. You know what
0: I'm saying? So I think what they've my, they've they, also lost into crappy Purdue teams, too. Yes.
1: Yeah, but I mean, we're 19 years in. You understand? We could, you're right. We can totally make this look however we want, and you have to kind of look at both sides and then come out with what your real opinion is here. But I, I agree with, with what you're saying there. But every year there's always, there's always a game, ooh, we can win, and now the national media is picking up on that, and they're giving props to Kinnick. Kinnick for that Wisconsin game is going to be Freaking insane. I cannot wait for that. Oh, my God. And, unfortunately, Saturday I was talking to my brother-in-law, and I was like, I didn't get this. I don't think I got this live on the air with you. Maybe you'll know this, but I did say it. But I was, I was telling him before the AP poll came out, mm-hmm. well, this is before it came out, and I was like, I don't think you'll be surprised by my opinion here. If I wasn't a Hawkeye homer and didn't drink Kool-Aid and didn't you know, have black and gold Kool-Aid you know, or black and gold uh, glasses on, I would look at that Wisconsin no team and go, holy bleep. I'm scared. Is that, do you, do you don't see that in Wisconsin? Because I do. I, I do look not. at them and I go, oh my God. Oh, I loved when you say that. Okay, good. I hope you're right, man. I, I do look not. look at their offense and go, returning quarterback, you hate their quarterback. I know that.
0: Yeah, Alex Hornybrook's terrible.
1: Yeah. You're not a fan. No. Uh, their running back is insane. I know running backs. Trust me. I know running backs. He's unbelievable. And well, if you when, look you're,
0: at, when you're running behind four all Big Ten offensive linemen, a lot of running backs would look very good.
1: Yes, and that's exactly where I was going to go with that. If you look, if you go to websites, if you read, if you got your um, all your magazines and stuff, four of five of those offensive linemen right now will show up in a first-team offensive lineman in one of those. You can find four of those five offensive linemen, Trent. That's disgusting. That's sick. And then they supposedly have good wide receivers. I don't pretend to know them. Well, here, one of them got suspended.
0: Right? Yes. Uh, well, now both of their starting receivers have been suspended. Yeah, over the weekend, it was Quentin Cephas, who's incredibly fast. He made big plays. He was banged up a little bit last year, but he's really good. Okay, also, I know
1: that guy. Who's the other guy? Was that recently or before? Was That was before, though.
0: Yes, the, uh, that, that was over the weekend. Today, it's also announced that Danny Davis is out. Their other good, fast receiver.
1: For, for academics? For getting in trouble
0: or for what? Getting in trouble. So they're down two there. That's okay. Now you're talking me around. You understand the why I loved Wisconsin. Fumagalli is gone. He is. Uh, his his days are over in a Badger uniform. Questions there. Defense lost a ton. Now they're still. A, it's the three four. They have been able to plug and play year in and year out. You know they're going to be good. But if there is a small hiccup there, and Alex Hornibrook hasn't taken a step forward, and he's still throwing fifteen, sixteen, seventeen interceptions. And you know what? We don't have to worry about the passing game in general anyway because their wide receivers aren't very good. You stack up that box. They're still going to be able to run the football because they're that good even when you're putting eight, nine guys in the box. They have that throughout the years. It makes them, though, from that elite-level talent, maybe just a small step back, and suddenly September 22nd under the lights at Kinnick Stadium, top five Wisconsin coming to town. Well, let's get drunk again, Wolfgang. <laughs>
1: i being stupid here by saying, this actually might be a good thing for Wisconsin.
0: What's that? Having their best two receivers being suspended? The
1: fact that that you can't call stupid pass plays and just (laughs) give it to your stud Heisman running back and let him run behind freaking crazy maulers.
0: Uh, How about we just see Iowa comes out three tight end formation all game long runs of football. Wisconsin Comes out between their big big maulers. They run the ball. That game will be over in like two hours and fifteen minutes.
1: <laughs> all tight out, all tight end. <laughs> yes, All out tight end. You're out tight end. Yes. How about that? First first game ever. We we'll, we have better tight ends than you.
0: Power football. Oh
1: my god, that's oh dude. That game is so huge. So we're talking at the lake, Trent. Real quick. I think we got to go. Do we?
0: We got a little time here.
1: Just talking at the lake, and we're talking you know, Cyclone fan, blah, 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 and the Cyclone fan, if you could only win one game. See, I, this was an easy question. So they were, like, talking to people that don't follow this. If you could only win one game, if excuse me, if you could guarantee one game this year for the Hawkeyes yep. that they won. It's an easy question, is it?
0: That's Wisconsin. Of yeah, course. Yeah,
1: it's so easy. It's so, it's easy, so right? easy. I know. That's what I told them, and I, I, I started – you know, sound like a like a sports snob, so I, I shut up and I let them go after it. Sure. Do their thing. But yeah, it's so easy. That's a two game swing, yeah?
0: That's right. It's so huge.
1: That game is so big. So let's talk Friday, like, does Kirk is Kirk gonna put like emphasis on that game? Is he dialing that down more than anything? Because he should. I know that's you know, we we think about things we've talked about in the eighties and nineties and two thousands or fifties and sixties. Stuff, you know evolves, as you said earlier in the the show. It evolves, and you better think about that Wisconsin game as really two games. Is that crazy?
0: No, and it's exactly right. If you're competing for them for the division title, it's worth two. Getting that tiebreaker will be absolutely huge. One more thing for you, Wolfgang, before we get out of here. I know you mentioned right before we came on earlier today, you want to talk a little bit about Nate Stanley, and as it pertains to... Our boy Todd McShay over at ESPN, the same guy that had Mitch Leidner in his top 30 of uh, NFL prospects before his (laughs) senior year. He has Nathan Stanley at number 23 in his latest mock draft. He is eligible this year as a true junior to come out. Wolfgang, I will leave it open to you. How excited did you get when you saw that?
1: Yeah, you just passed me the ball. I'm going to pass it right back to you. You say Todd McShay doesn't know anything? mitch leidner todd he has todd mcshay has our boy nathan stanley at 23rd next year in the nfl draft as a third year junior i mean okay so i i have a lot of hawkeye family and friends and twitter and message boards do you know anybody in your life trent where you've taken phone calls, or anybody that you've talked to with your friend, your circle, that thinks that is legit? What oh. the hell is that guy doing?
0: I, I've been bringing this up since last uh, November. He what has the size, he has the wait, arm wait, No,
1: no, no, don't go. In. You're going macro here. I'm going micro. Is, is Nate Stanley going to be the 23rd draft pick next year in the NFL draft? That is. I'll take the over and bet you a billion, Alex.
0: <laughs> that's fair. That, that's absolutely fair. So what would it take for him to get there? What would it take for Nate Stanley to be a top 25 draft pick this year in the NFL draft? What do you think so it you, is?
1: you just remembered touch. And, oh, you know me. So you're setting me up. So I'm not a big cannon guy. I don't give a belief about that. Great. You know, let's break out our willies and see who has the longest one. That's not my thing. I don't care. I don't care if you can throw it through a brick wall. There's not a brick wall on the field, Trent. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? You have a cannon. You barely ever use it. How often do you use the cannon? I'm asking. You ask, answer that question. How often do, does a quarterback use his cannon? We saw it with the Chiefs, Mahomes, right? Yeah, that. A 69 yards in a the air. Yeah. Now they know that. That's done. He's never going to do that again.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be so sure on that. Certainly, Elise so you love, you up. love,
1: okay, you love whipping it out and, and doing a, you know, measure it. Well, I, I'm not that guy. I like accuracy, man. I like touch. I like throwing it through windows. I like um, reading defenses. That's what I like, Dren.
0: Nate Stanley, a year ago, fifty-five point eight percent of the uh, pass completion percentage needs to be what sixty-two, sixty-three.
1: Okay, do you see, okay, I can bring some knowledge to you here. That's bogus, and I consider that bogus. I know you're a numbers guy and a watch with your eyeball guy. That's what I like about you. you're you're you like both that stuff. So like if you just go by completion percentage, oh gosh, he's horrible. And I don't don't quote me on this, okay, I think he's like in the eighties last year in terms of completion percentage. does that does that sound right or no? Do you have any idea?
0: But anyway, what, what so was the, that? Well, run that by me again. I completely missed where you're going. So
1: there's completion percentage, right? Yeah. So if you just go straight completion percentage last year, I believe he's horrible. He's 55, which is 55 six or whatever. Yeah. Um, horrible. Absolutely horrible. So if you compare him to other quarterbacks, I think he was like in the 80s in terms of compl- like completion oh, gotcha. percentage. But the advanced stats, what do they do? They take into effect drops. Mm-hmm. they take into effect um, throwaways the pressure ball. yep yes and i think he was like 22nd
0: okay.
1: so he went from like eight. I, I don't quote me on the 80 something okay but he was 20 something in if you take out the, the like the drops and the throwaways so that's i love that sad do you like that sad at all
0: yeah i, 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 I love think that it, it tells a more complete picture no doubt
1: yes just like you're a baseball guy I mean, errors and stuff like that, you know, that should go into advanced stats on football. If people are dropping your passes, I told you Baker was 11 of 20 in, his, in the Browns' debut. Well, he had two drop passes, so he's literally 13 of 20, and he threw one away. And then he ran for four first downs. So it's just I love this number stuff because that's not stuff that they looked at in the past, man. But I also hate the number gates, too, Trent. You know that. So.
0: You're all over the place. You, Wolfgang, are a wild man. Get out of here, recoup, and we will uh, talk to you and Todd McShay on Friday.
1: <laughs> Let's get. All right, we're going to talk more about Nathan Stanley on Friday. Is that cool?
0: That, that works for me. Mitch Leidner, he'll be uh, online too for you. <laughs> all
1: right, thanks, Rosie.
0: Wolfgang, checking in with us here. Always fun conversation. Give him a follow on Twitter at WolfgangHawkeye as he joins us on Jimmy B and TC. We're due for a break. Coming back on the other side, time to talk football. Gambling, oh yeah. That is uh, something near and dear to my heart. Coming up next, Joe Fortenbaugh is going to join us. He has a podcast. It's called the Sharp 600. 600 seconds. 10 minutes of your time breaking down betting angles, betting tips. They're going through the just finish up their NFL previews of each division, who they like, who they don't, over-unders, totals, all kinds of great stuff. And Joe Fortenbaugh, he is going to join us next. Coming back with him on the other side as we're with you until 6 o'clock tonight, it's Jimmy BNTC. Time to welcome in uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to throughout the years. It's been a long time though for whatever reason, Joe Fortenbaugh who uh, used to join us way back in the day. We talked gambling lines with him a lot of Fridays throughout the football season. He got a big gig moving up in the world, hosting morning radio out in San Francisco. But our paths cross again. I'm very happy to welcome in Joe Fortenbaugh. Joe, how are things? Ah, uh, things are great, Trent. Thanks so much for having me on, man. A blast from the past.
2: It's been a while since we've done this, so I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we're going to get into some NFL futures, some over unders, some uh, some college talk as well with you. But before that, tell us a little bit about your program. I listen to it a couple times a week during football season. A little bit more that it comes out. I think about a year ago, you launched. It's called the Sharp Six Hundred, and I think one of the best podcasts out there. It's tight, it's concise for here. Our commutes are a little bit shorter in Des Moines than they are out there in San Francisco, but absolutely perfect for people looking to get some gambling advice. Tell us a little bit more about the Sharp 600 podcast.
2: Well, first of all, I'm glad you're enjoying it, and I appreciate the uh, endorsement. It is about a little over a year old. We launched July 20th of last year, and the way I treat the show is essentially like how I would treat a single radio segment. You come on, it's the 600 stands for 600 seconds because we're aiming for about a 10-minute podcast. But there's one up today that's about 20 minutes. But the key is it's something that's easy to digest, easy and quick to consume on a commute in or out of work, and it's going to get you ready for, come fall, uh, college football on Saturdays, football on Sundays, and then we generally have something early in the week to educate you on everything that happened over the weekend. So it's there's been a great reaction. We have some really great listeners. I had a meetup in Chicago last October for a lot of the listeners. We got a pretty good turnout, so a bit of a cult following, but it's been a lot of fun to connect with so many different people.
0: Well, just search on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, Sharp 600, it'll pop up there. And you mentioned it, Joe. In fact, it's downloading right now as we speak into my device your uh, podcast today talking about sports books and something that has become a touch bo- a button issue the last couple of days casinos telling people bettors not taking your bets anymore take us in a little bit i know you do so much work in vegas and and what's exactly going on here
2: all right well what we're seeing outside of nevada let's let's make that clear for the start here mm-hmm. is that um, now that the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1993, was rolled back by the Supreme Court last May, the states now have an option if they want to legalize sports betting. So Mississippi's in the mix, Delaware's in the mix, New Jersey, more are coming, New York, Pennsylvania. The estimation is that 25 or 26 states will legalize sports betting in the next three to five years. Uh, William Hill is an operator that has been around from, I believe, since the 1930s or so. Started across the water in the United Kingdom, but is now in not only Las Vegas, but opening shops as a bookmaker in Jersey and beyond. And William Hill has a reputation for this. Um, They claim that they won't ban sports bettors strictly because they're winning. They'll claim that they're banning sports bettors because they're violating one or several rules. They're working together on the same account, Um, runners, uh, arbitrage, all things of this nature, but... Gamblers are claiming that if they win, if they demonstrate that they are sharp bettors, they're going to get cut off and they won't be allowed to place the action. And in the United Kingdom, they're very forthright about this. Um, We're in the business of turning a profit, and really smart bettors are not good for us turning a profit. So we tell them they can't bet, and that's what you're starting to see. So this is a very bad look for the industry. It's very dangerous for the industry because my hope was that once legalization took place, those of us who cover this, for a living, those of us who work in this industry, would do everything we could to erase the stigmas that have been attached to sports gambling for so long. But so far, it's been nothing but more of the same, which is a bit troubling. Um, I will say that this is akin to what you see with card counters in blackjack. Card counting is not illegal, but if the casinos realize you're doing it, they're going to throw you out because you're taking away their advantage and they don't want to lose money. So because it's not illegal to throw you out, and it's also not illegal to card count, nothing serious is going to happen, but they are going to ask you to leave the property.
0: Very odd and and certainly interesting here. We're getting ready for the next legislative uh, session here in the state of Iowa in January. It is assumed very quickly we will have legalized sports wagering available in our state. Now, I'm certainly not a pro player, though. I pretend to be one on the radio every single day, Joe. But uh, you're winning, and they cut you off. Nobody wants to see that. That's just you talk about being bad for business. That's just bad for an industry that's trying to gain a foothold.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, it seems like it's so counterintuitive or counterproductive to what we're working towards. If you work hard and you're smart and you gain an edge and everything you're doing is legal, you should be rewarded for that. That's what we should be as a country. That's what we should be as a society. Yet, these operators are only want the easy money. And can you blame them? I mean, casinos put up slot machines knowing they're going to clean you out. Everyone always assumes that the the casinos make so much money from blackjack and table games and all that. They kill it on penny slots more than anything else. And it's not even close. So they know if it's that easy to just get a license and put out some penny slots and... Basically, treat humanity like a human ATM machine. Um, they would want the same thing with sports betting. So, the second they see someone who's done the work and who has created an edge, they want to shut them down. They want to—they don't want to lose money to those guys. Now, that's not all the sports books. There are some really great sports books in Las Vegas, like the Westgate, like the South Point, that understand they're going to take sharp action, so they'll monitor those individuals. Chris Andrews and Jimmy Vaccaro, who are running the book down at the South Point, they welcome sharp action, Action. because generally when they get it, they get it early. And when they get it early, they're able to use that information to improve their lines. Same thing with the Westgate. They have eight different categories that you will fall into as a better there, ranging from the sharpest of the sharp to just the average public Joe and they'll keep tabs on you because that's part of their job. They want to be able to service their customers. So they're not necessarily looking to shut you down, but they want to know who you are. That's the approach you should take. Be better with your lines and try to beat these guys. Meanwhile, other operators like William Hill, they just want the money from the guys who don't know what they're doing, and ultimately, you know, it's just a bad look for everybody.
0: Talking with Joe Fortenbaugh, you can find his podcast, it's called The Sharp 600, 10 minutes of sports wagering talk throughout the week over on the iTunes store. Joe, uh, from that, I want to get into some nuts and bolts here in our conversation, and over totals, win-loss totals, future bets that are out there. I know you just finished up your previews with the NFL going division by division. Let's start right there, and want to start with the division that matters most for us here in our marketplace, and that's the NFC North. you got the Vikings making the run a year go to the NFC Championship game. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers back healthy. The Bears may be ascending. I'm hopeful on that avenue. As you look at this division, the odds to win the division are basically even if you're taking the Vikings or the Packers. Do you see much value on either side there? Do you have a side if you had to make a pick in the division for the NFC North?
2: Uh, in terms of winning the division, I'm going to lean a little bit towards Minnesota, but I don't, I don't love that pick. I can see Green Bay right there because they've got the best quarterback play in the division. Um, so as I work my way through, I ask myself what's new, what's different, where can we gain an edge? From what I understand, and I've talked to as many people as possible who know this stuff better than me so I can get the best possible info, here's where people are leaning. They're either passing or they're going over on the Vikings, which is sitting out around nine and a half. There is a concern, though, with the offensive line, so keep that in mind. With the Packers, I'm hearing nothing. No one wants to play it either way, and I think a big reason for that is whether or not Aaron Rodgers can stay healthy. They don't seem to have much of an insurance policy in Green Bay. Either Rodgers plays and they win 11 games, or Rodgers gets hurt and they bottom out. Detroit's a team. People are going the opposite direction. They think Matt Patricia is going to need some time getting his system installed, because they think he's going to want to go a little bit more run-heavy with the Lions. And the problem there is the Lions haven't had a 100-yard rusher in, like, 50 years. I obviously exaggerate, but that stat is uncanny. So there's a lean to the under on the Detroit Lions in Las Vegas. Then it gets interesting with the Bears. Personally, this is the one I like the most. I would go over the win total. I know it's sitting somewhere around 6. It depends on where you shop. But a lot of people are making the comparison that, this year's Bears can be last year's Rams. I don't see that to be the case. I don't think the Bears are gonna be that good, but I think Trubisky takes a step forward under new head coach Matt Nagy. I think you can run the ball and throw the ball in Chicago. They went out and signed Allen Robinson. You bring in Roquan Smith. I think it's an improved team on both sides of the field. I think they have better play calling now that John Fox is finally gone. I think you're gonna see a productive Bears team this year. Again, don't put me down for ten and six, but I do think they can get the seven wins and clear the over.
0: Music to this Bears fans' ears. It's been a long time coming for that organization. One more on the NFL. That's our neighbors to the south, our closest NFL team, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs, as uh, they get ready to fight through the AFC West. The Chargers have been that buzz team. So good. So many close losses a year ago. Seemingly can never get over the hump and never stay healthy. Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Got to see that big arm on Friday night with the 69-yard throw to Tyreek Hill. Where do you sit right now in Kansas City? Okay, there's
2: two schools of thought on the Kansas City Chiefs at the moment. On one hand, they think there might be a bit of a regression because of Patrick Mahomes. Now, don't panic. This doesn't mean Mahomes isn't going to be a good quarterback. But going from Alex Smith, who was a veteran present and was very good at protecting the football, and this is a key thing I want you to remember because I'm going to circle back to it a bit here, protecting the football to a gunslinger like Mahomes who's inexperienced, and could be on the hook for a lot of turnovers, that worries some people. And here's why. The team, just to point out how important this is, turnover the turnover battle, if you win the turnover battle, you're winning the game 80% of the time. Okay? So right there we see how important turnovers are. In addition, the team that finished last in turnover differential each year has come back the next season to win 4.7 games more on average than they did the year before. Now, that doesn't pertain to, only, to too many teams. It really only pertains to the Browns, which is why you have some people betting the over on the Browns this year. But if you're at the bottom end of the turnover spectrum, people expect you to be better the next year. That's what history has shown us. And if you're at the top end of the spectrum, like Baltimore, you should expect a regression. This is what history shows us. For the Chiefs, you go from a very diligent, very mindful quarterback when it comes to protecting the ball – to a potential turnover machine, and I don't know if I want to go that far, but you know, a young quarterbacks they commit a lot of turnovers. People feel that as a result of that change at quarterback, the Chiefs are going to win fewer games this year. So I would say there's a lean to the under on Kansas City, but they still have a very strong home field advantage, lots of playmakers, and if Patrick Mahomes can pick up the offense faster than people expect, while at the same time avoiding costly turnovers. Kansas City could surprise some people and threaten 11 or 12 wins again this year.
0: Joe Fortenbaugh joining us here, Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Joe, uh, to the college game, and as you know, here in our marketplace, Iowa, Iowa State, that is where uh, certainly the conversation starts with us. Both those teams, kind of the middle range for odds and as it pertains to winning the conference, over-under win total, 7.5 for the Hawkeyes, 6.5 for Iowa State, depending on what shop, You can get some different numbers out there. Do you have an opinion? Have you had anybody say anything about the Hawkeyes or Cyclones to you?
2: Let's start with the Cyclones. Who's the coach there? Is his name Matt Campbell? You got it. He, he is widely regarded as a, as a very hot coaching candidate prospect, which I don't need to tell you or any of the fine people in Iowa or the surrounding states. You guys know just how good your coach is. It's always iffy with me with Iowa State because they are a team that is going to play way above and beyond what people expect in big-time games. feels like the Cyclones are really good at getting up in big spots, but at the same time, it's not as if they're recruiting the five stars across the board like Texas or Alabama. So there are going to be some games where they stumble and slip up, but they're still one of the more exciting teams in all the land. I do wish I had something for you on Iowa State, but there's nothing I've heard yet that points to either a favorable or unfavorable position. All I keep hearing about is how much people like Matt Campbell, mm-hmm. so I think that's a very good sign. Iowa is where it gets really interesting. If you look at their schedule and the way things shape up, the, the the truest threat to them in their division is obviously Wisconsin. And many people feel that Wisconsin, if they can get through the brutal road stretch of their schedule, could not only represent the the division in the Big 12 championship, but could actually go on to win it and find themselves in the college football playoff. But as you're studying it, you do realize every single year the Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium find a way to pull off one big upset. And if they don't pull it off, they come really close, i.e. the Penn State game, I believe, last year. Iowa is dangerous. Iowa's schedule sets up well. I I know guys like the over on the win total, and some are putting some money down on Iowa to win that side of the Big Ten Conference, and also to take a long shot on them to win the Big Ten. I'm not telling you they're going to win the Big Ten. I'm just saying if they can spring that one classic upset against Wisconsin and then maintain through the rest of their schedule, there's a good chance the Badgers could stumble with their road dates because I believe they're at Penn State, and I think they have to go to either Ohio State or Michigan as well. If they stumble in those road dates as well as stumble at Kinnick, Iowa could surprise some people win their side of the division, and go to the Big Ten championship game. So keep that in mind. I know people are very bullish on the Hawkeyes.
0: And uh, another suspension for Wisconsin today, another uh, wide receiver down after over the weekend Quintez Cephas is suspended. Now Danny Davis, their top two receivers out. Fumagalli graduated. Maybe good news for the Hawkeye fans. Final thing for you, Joe Fortenbaugh joining us here. I love what casinos continue to do. You know, offshore for years, you could get the Wild Rangers uh, wagers that you could throw out there, deep stuff. We've seen casinos now, not just so you're able to bet who wins the national championship. And to me, that list is very short. It's Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, maybe a couple of others. But they're also now out there making you can make a wager just to get in, make the college football playoff. I've had two teams that I've identified kind of in that middle range: Michigan State, 15 to two. I like the Spartans, what they have coming back. I love Lewerke. We've talked about that a lot here, Joe. But I want to get your perspective on another team that I've talked about. At 10-1, to 1, the Stanford Cardinal. Right out in your neck of the woods. 10-1 just to get in. They don't have to win a national championship, but at a 10-1, I see a ton of value there. I know the schedule is difficult. Why am I off on Stanford this year? Could you see the same thing that I'm seeing a potential 11-1 regular season win that Pac-12 title game and sneak into the college football playoff? All right,
2: very quickly, I'll say I like your Michigan State pick, and I know that one's popular as well amongst some of the sharper betters. so kudos to you, Trent. That's a good side to be on. As for Stanford, very interesting as always. Bryce Love is back, one of the Heisman Trophy favorites this season. He'll anchor the offense. Quarterback play expected to be much improved, and that's the thing that always seems to run Stanford into the ground late in the year is that they cannot get adequate quarterback play. So this season, you know you're going to have the trenches. You know you're going to be able to run the ball. You know you're going to have a smart football team and a well-coached team with David Shaw. Quarterback play should be improved. What people are thinking when it comes to Stanford is, how are you going to survive when Washington is in your conference? And I know that Washington is going to open with Auburn. It's going to be a very tough matchup. Not sure if Washington has the size to get past Auburn, but they do have the coaching. Chris Peterson is one of the absolute best in the business. He's sprung the upsets before. But Washington is viewed as the cream of the crop in that conference. The thought process two years ago was that Washington was going to explode, and they did. Last year they stumbled. This year they're expected to be back, and I believe the AP thinks very highly of them as well. So Washington's getting a lot of love. There's some thought that Khalil Tate down at Arizona could lead the Wildcats to a surprise season. I know people look at UCLA with Chip Kelly, but that's going to take some time. I'm always going to be with you on Stanford. I think the team is well-coached enough, intelligent enough, disciplined enough, and they have enough playmakers that they can always find themselves in the race. But every so often, or I should say every year, they just find a way to get themselves tripped up, whether it be a scheduling spot or whether they run into a team that's just too big and bad for them at the wrong time. Maybe that's Washington this year. Maybe it's not but I'm not against the Cardinal this season. I do think if you're looking at the Pac-12, you might be able to play the over on the other Bay Area team, California. I think it's sitting 5 5 Justin Wilcox is bringing defense back to Berkeley. That's something to keep an eye on moving forward.
0: I'll take a little look at that one tonight. And speaking of that, we'll let you go, Joe. i got to say thank you. You helped me out. I made a wager on the Sharp 600 podcast a month and a half, maybe two months ago. You said... Take a wager on the Oakland A's to win it all at eighty to one, and, I, and at first, thought this is silly. But the way that you laid it out, <laughs> very succinctly, hey, I now have a ticket at eighty to one sitting in my pocket. I can wager in that wild card game. I'm going to be able to make a profit as long as they get in the playoffs. I'm going to be able to eke out at least some kind of profit here. A big thank you to you, Joe.
2: How about it? Eighty to one. They are now, as of today. to to win the World Series. They're tied for first in the West, and that's the point, Trent. When, When we give that out, we're not necessarily saying they're going to win the World Series. We're saying this is solid value because at some point in the near future, you might be able to hedge your bet and turn a profit, and that's exactly what we're looking for. So you and I will have to talk right before the baseball playoffs and explain to everyone how that best works.
0: That sounds like a good plan. Joe Fortenbaugh with the Sharp 600 Podcast. Thank you, Joe, so much. It's great catching up again. My pleasure as always, Trent. Thanks for having me. There he is, Joe Fortenbaugh, joining us here today. Give him a follow on Twitter. It's just as simple as the name says. Joe Fortenbaugh is where you can find that. That's Fort, E-N-B-A-U-G-H, the podcast, the Sharp 600. As I just said there, Joe helped me out. I got that Oakland A ticket. Feeling happy about that. At 80 to 1, he can help you out. If you're into gambling, if you're into wagering, 10 minutes of your time a very succinct podcast, does a great job with it. Also a host at uh, 9.57 The Game out in San Francisco, the morning show out there. A big thank you again to Joe Fortenbaugh for joining us here today. We're due for a timeout. Coming back on the other side, we'll cap things off, getting ready for the night in sports. Jimmy B. and TC on 1700. Trent him back with you one final time, putting a wrap on things this afternoon Great conversations earlier in the program. We talked Cyclones with Alex Halstead. We talked Hawkeyes with Wolfgang. A lot of gambling talk there. Last segment with Joe Fortenbaugh. You can always check that out over on our podcast page over at 1700kbgg.com. Or you can just find it. Search Jimmy B and TC. It'll pop up Whatever you listen to. iPhone, Android, whatever device you can get us there. Your desktop. It doesn't matter. Take us on the go wherever you go. Radio On Demand with our podcast, both here and with myself and Ken over the lunch hour. Well, tonight, Hard Knocks is back. Certainly going to keep an eye on that. I will not be watching the BTN bus tour as they made their way to Illinois. That sounds like pulling teeth. I'm going to stay away from that one. Baseball tonight, Cards, Dodgers, late like that. Love to have something on late. And it starts with the Cubs here in just a few minutes. Kyle Hendricks, the professor. Against Jordan Zimmerman, 6'10 with the first pitch with the Cubs and Tigers. Other baseball this evening. Let's see, Cleveland, Boston. Yeah, the pitching matchup doesn't do a whole lot. Bieber, the youngster for Cleveland against Evaldi. Yeah, not gonna not gonna try to twist your arm on that one. Brewers, Cincinnati. Brew crew got another win. We're scoreboard watching. That's the time we are at. Like I said, Dodgers and St. Louis tonight certainly going to be at the forefront of that, and that will do it. We're out of here. Out of time. Talk to you tomorrow starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller, over your lunch hour from noon until two, and then on your drive home, it's Jimmy B and TC from four until six o'clock. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. Have a great night, everybody.